Hi, I'm Harini. Hi, I'm Camille. And welcome back to the News Podcast. Hi everyone, welcome back to the News Podcast. This week is our absolute pleasure to have as our guest, um, my very good friend Lyo. Hi, my name's um, Lyo Akinola. I go to the same college as Camille in Cambridge. We could both go to Keys, and I'm a third year studying English and really, really happy to be talking to you guys today. I'm so glad. (laughs) So today we'll be talking um, primarily, but um, not solely, about uh, Black History Month. And so to start off, one question that we've been asking all of our guests to start off with has been, uh, who is a Black woman who has inspired you, either someone um, that you know personally or like a public figure? I think for me, I have kind of different inspirations on different levels. So I have my everyday level of people that I interact with and people that I see but then also I guess people on higher levels I guess a conventional one to say would be Michelle Obama or Zendaya who both are so profusely in the public eye yet both still continue to champion women's and black women's rights which I think is really important and Yeah, I think on kind of like a grander scale, Michelle Obama is someone that I've always really, really, really looked up to for, I think especially she was in a unique position and still is as someone who could have fallen into quotation marks because they won't be able to see this if they're listening to it, but (laughs) into the shadow of her husband because obviously he was the president, which is the biggest position of power that you can be in. But I really admire the way in which she completely subverted and defied such a stereotype and rather used the position the unique position that she was in to champion rights for not only women black women but for a huge intersection of different people and I just think that it's so inspirational that like throughout the time Obama was in office and she had this position on the global stage she continued to use that like a way to kind of speak to the world about all these issues rather than just not doing much she just continued being really active in a role that she didn't even necessarily have to do which I just think is really inspirational and to go back to what I was saying about inspiring people on a grander scale and then on an everyday scale I think some people two people in particular that inspire me a lot every day are my mom and Camille will know but my my best friend here at Keys is are two people that consistently inspire me every day just in terms of their strength as people their perseverance and their will I just really uh, am always in awe of both of them and yeah they really inspire me a lot oh that's so sweet that's really made me smile yeah <laughs> I think it's really interesting what you're saying with Michelle Obama that one of the things that you thought was particularly important about her was how she's not she's not become complacent. I think that's the gist that she even though she has the position of power, she uses good. And I think there was this really great interview she did, if I remember correctly, where someone asked her, like, what would you be if you weren't the first lady? And she just looks straight back at him and goes, The president. And I think how that interview is so <laughs> often. Because <laughs> I I believe her. Like, yeah, I think that's probably true. Following on from that. Do you have any advice for young black girls going forward, either based on your own experiences so far or things that you maybe wish you had known and now know? Yeah, well, <laughs> there's a lot of things. Um, I think like the biggest thing that pops into my head initially is the phrase, you're not crazy. And let me explain what I mean by that, okay. because 
There's so many instances where you experience as a black woman in primary, secondary, uni, where you feel like an instance is microaggression or even just racism. But mm. I don't know, because certain situations are experiential as opposed to tangible. And where it's experiential, sometimes it's easy to kind of delude yourself in your head into thinking that something rather big is actually something rather small. And then that kind of spirals and ends up with you not calling someone out for it or not taking further action with such things. And that's why I said you're not crazy, because especially at Cambridge and being the kind of demographic that it is here, I've had so many instances of these kind of things. And I've had to just tell myself, you're not crazy. That was a microaggression or you're not crazy. That was out and out racism. So I think not letting kind of your environment or anything around you gaslighting you into thinking that something isn't what it blatantly is because you yourself know what racism or microaggression is and you if you feel that you've experienced that you probably have and you shouldn't let kind of external circumstances or people or situations let you delude you into thinking that you are crazy because you're not and then thus from that point it's important to then like take the next steps of action in that whether that be kind of calling someone out or speaking to a supervisor a teacher a parent or like whoever you trust someone you trust but yeah I just think that being able to acknowledge that these things are happening to you and that it's obviously it's not okay but it's okay to feel that you have been made to feel a certain type of way and therefore you are absolutely justified in seeking action to rectify the situation because it's quite easy to kind of dwarf big things into small things in, um, in your head. Like, for instance, with mispronunciation of name, things like that, or um, even just from like a general perspective, being told something like boys will be boys to justify aggressive drinking sort of behavior, but like that kind of thing, it's important to recognize that what may seem trivial even if it's like I said like someone saying boys will be boys it's a foundational thing that will compound to a greater issue so it's always important that no matter how small or also how big something may be don't let yourself be sidelined and made to feel that that's not a big thing because it is and it's something that deserves to be rectified no I agree with that 100 percent do you have advice maybe for how to do that because I know it's so easy to delude yourself into thinking these things but it's also this huge journey to get out of that mentality and own these issues that you're facing and actually seek help for them um do you have any things that you did to help yourself think that you know you weren't crazy and like it was actually an issue yeah I think I think that even like as I'm saying call someone out it is so hard when you're faced with someone who is saying or doing these things directly to you to be like don't do that or like kind of start almost fighting them back but I think it's 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 just important at least to kind of pass a, a comment on things like that and just say something like you shouldn't say things like that or that's not okay to say obviously this is on a smaller scale when things aren't as big but if it is something big and like I said it's harder to say to someone don't say that and if it's something big it's likely that that won't 
in provoke a response. So I guess in that case, from my experiences, the like best ways around things like that is getting in touch with people, but specifically people you trust. Yeah. So I found talking to like my mum about it, talking to my close friends about it. And obviously there are instances where like authority may need to be involved on like a school scale, I guess your form tutor, your like class teacher, someone like that. I found that there was TAs even at school that I was closer to and found it was easier to talk to them on a uni level I guess it's kind of harder because you're one of thousands and thousands and thousands of people but I found that the best kind of ports of call have been my DOS um who's really really responsive to like things like that um and yeah I guess if it's like smaller scale things just kind of calling it out there and then in a conversation is the best way to kind of rectify it and in the hopes that that person would stop doing such things and obviously if they don't then you resort to kind of the option of if it becomes a bigger thing which is like maybe getting someone that you trust involved but like it can be really 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 hard which is why it's important for it to be people you trust and are comfortable with so that it's just kind of easier for you to articulate maybe something you've experienced or something someone has said yeah no that's really good advice um just clarification what what is a dos um because both of you oh, a DOS. sorry 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 um a dos is a like director of studies so it's someone in usually in your college in your yeah. subject and they check on you like a couple times a term just to make oh, sure yes. you're like on top of work and everything okay cool <laughs> <laughs> I think that's such good advice. And I think that Harini, your follow-up question was definitely really helpful probably to everyone listening as well, because I feel like it's the same thing with the whole like love yourself thing. Like it's it's much easier said than actually done because of the whole process. And I think that obviously, you know, either of you correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that they actually really go hand to hand. Because I think that as you get older and as you get out of the teenage years and you become more independent, you become more of an adult, you learn to set more boundaries because you have more respect for yourself. And I think that that then really comes into play with like calling other people out for their abusive behaviors and they're like them disrespecting you and your boundaries so i think that that's i think there should be so much more of an emphasis on it when we're going through the whole like the whole dove campaigns of like loving your body and when you're a teenager like when you get all of this stuff even like and it's a good thing that you get it but when you're a pshe and they tell you about like you know loving yourself i think that boundaries and respect especially when it comes to things like racism microaggressions should be so much more heavily underlined because you're so right like it's it requires so much bravery to talk about it and to call someone out. And especially when I think like you mentioned like drinking culture and things like that, especially when there's, you know, these situations in which you already feel quite small, mm. you like, it, it doesn't come naturally to anyone to then, mm. you know, put your hand on the table and be like, no, actually, let's talk about racism right now. What have you just said to me? So I, yeah, I agree. It it's so difficult, but it's so, so important. So I'm really, really glad that you brought it up. No, and I think uni is such a unique experience in that you're finally independent for the first time and you have to deal with these things on your own. So even before, if you considered yourself like someone who would call things out, you always had someone to like go back home to, like, again, like like you said, like teachers and this and that, and like a more supportive environment at uni, like you're by yourself. So I guess it's all the more nerve wracking. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, good advice. I agree. Definitely. I think the last question that we wanted to ask you, just the other things that we're asking everyone, um was if you had any advice for and it kind of links to that actually about calling people out mm. if you had any advice for people who aren't black women on dealing with that kind of situation and how to be helpful so either men 
especially probably primarily white people, like what can we actually do to be helpful in the conversation? Either things that we need to start doing to actually be helpful or things that we need to stop doing because they're either like patronizing, disrespectful, anything. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the basis of it is try not to be racist. Is <laughs> kind of the first step in the right direction, I suppose. Um, but like, obviously, on a more plausible per se scale, I guess I would say. And this kind of um reminds me, and it's something I'm really sad you're not there for, Camille. Is our femgen meetings? Um, so we have a femgen society basically here, and we were having a similar discussion. Um, a few days ago and we were kind of talking about things like microaggression intersectionality um, and things like that and I found the conversation so so fruitful because obviously it was a mix of both women of colour and white women um, and our one man that we had Jermaine big up (laughs) Um, but yeah I found that that conversation was so productive because of active listening and like I said, some things are experiential as opposed to tangible. So even just kind of having conversations with people about these experiential things that white women or even just like men in general wouldn't have experienced, just kind of having open dialogues with people and kind of saying that it may seem like a normal thing to say to you, but that's actually not okay for me. And that made me feel uncomfortable because... I found conversations like that to be really, really kind of fruitful and helpful in terms of kind of like getting people to try and understand more the kind of differences that women of colour and white women face. So I think just, I guess it's, like I said, it is sometimes very, very hard to articulate things like this and to talk to people who aren't necessarily as open-minded as the people that attend FemGen are, but kind of being able to say things like yeah things like that that like that wasn't okay to say or this made me feel or this could make someone feel um etc just kind of things in that vein are really really helpful and um yeah also with situations where you may kind of notice that like something has happened maybe like an instance of microaggression instance of racism it's not it's not an obligation to call someone out on it but it's from experience very hard as someone who's been the person experiencing it it's really hard to then kind of stand up and have this brave front all the time and kind of call someone out for it so if you do see or hear something of that nature happening not necessarily like go and fight the person, but you can maybe say to them that that's not okay, that was a microaggression and that was offensive and that did offend that person. And also not in a way that you're kind of speaking for the person, but just in a way to show that you're aware that that's not okay and articulating to them to increase their awareness also that what they said or did was also not okay. But yeah, I think it's just all about open dialogues understanding and empathy are like the three biggest things I would kind of recommend as ways for um people that aren't black women to be able to kind of help out with the very like systematic things we have ingrained in our society because obviously it's not something you can entirely abolish but on kind of our scale on in terms of what we can do those are the best ways I think we can 
do our best to like mitigate and manage it and hopefully eventually that can translate onto a higher level and eventually hopefully one point in the future a systematic level Honestly, I was just going to say that I, from the other two Black History Month interviews that we've done, like that has been such consistent feedback on the empathy point, because which is so like it's it's so heartbreaking to hear it every time because like it 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 sounds like it's so hard to find and it really shouldn't be because we had the the first episode, um, Howell was saying having empathy in terms of not unloading all of your white guilt on your black friends and expecting them to deal with it and actually like dealing with your own emotions, educating yourself first. And then in the second episode of Colette, she was saying empathy for like, especially in terms of either in education or in the workplace or in parties, like if it's just a room full of white people and one black person, like actually making sure that they feel comfortable. And it's just all these things that like, it's, yeah, it's so true. So I think now that you've said as well, A, like standing up for your friends, but also like actually noticing microaggressions things and just having a simple empathy is the thing that's come across like you know time and time again so I, yeah it's uh, anyone else listening that seems to be the most important most important point um we could also talk about when the context of when you're talking about femgen society and things like that um do you feel like there's sometimes or even generally a kind of like competitiveness between like race and feminism because i know that quite often especially well especially at the beginning of covid in the aftermath of george floyd and when there was a particular like focus on black lives matter thing like that that became like a real big split in feminism between kind of i mean okay to put it plainly people who got it and people who didn't get it mm. so i was wondering is that is that a thing that you that you felt yeah um i think yeah for sure i think people often kind of fall under the like false ideology that different people that are marginalized like the types of marginalization operate in competition but I think that's where like the concept of understanding intersectional feminism is kind of so important because it proves that it's rather not two things operating at two different times but things almost at the same time so I think what I mean by that is it's not I'm I'm feeling racism on one side and then I'm feeling like gender inequality on the other side. Actually, two prejudices can operate kind of at the same time. And that's kind of what leads to the difference between kind of like white feminism and intersectional feminism is understanding that there's prejudices like you face as a woman and in no way are those discredited in saying that there are a greater number of prejudices that you face as a woman of colour because being a woman of colour you face the prejudices of compounded being black or of um, any other ethnic minority and but as a woman you like as a, um, a woman not of colour, you wouldn't face necessarily those, some of the same kind of prejudices as you would as a woman of colour. So it's not at all saying that one or the other is more important, but rather understanding that more people ultimately have more intersections, as it's named, intersectional feminism, interacting in kind of the marginalisation that they face. So I think, yeah, it's really important to recognise that they're not two things that operate at odds, but two things that operate together. And one kind of thing that really like 
resonates with me is the idea that you're not a feminist unless you're an intersectional feminist and someone that believes in and understands that there are these intersections interacting. Like I said before, of course, as women, we all face prejudices, but being an intersectional feminist is about understanding that there are far more layers to feminism than just what initially meets the eye and being able to to go back to this word, which is so important in this kind of discourse, but being able to empathise with the fact that other women will have more intersections that they face. And that may not only be race, that can be to do with class or gender or sexuality or religion, but there's all of these kind of social factors that can lead to like these different intersections and thus the different kind of experiences of marginalization, which, yeah, I think is something that's quite important to understand and is not necessarily always as in the center focus of just feminism as a general concept as it should be. I think you've explained that so well like so oh, thank well. you no and that's what we try and champion on the podcast because you're right like if you're not a feminist if you're not an intersectional feminist because you clearly don't like th- there's so many women that have so many unique experiences and if you can't understand what makes their experiences unique then you're missing out um on a big chunk of what pushes the feminist movement forward yeah for sure in the last six minutes, um, if you wanted to, you said at the beginning to go back to actually what you're saying about Michelle Obama and her use of her position of power for good. What do you think that our responsibility is, and like how far does that extend to now that you know we're women who have an education and who are like in a good position in life? Like, how do you sort of take that responsibility on? What do you think that is the things that we should be doing to help women who don't have that kind of access? Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, um, we're in quite like a privileged position, I suppose, where we are to kind of be able to speak about these issues and especially in an environment where there's so many people that are kind of experts in their field and influential on a greater scale even than just like the University of Cambridge. I think that is makes it even more imperative to be kind of vocal about these things. And I think, like I said, kind of going back to the open conversations, I think that it's just important to keep kind of educating people and especially with so many of the fellows here being old white men, it's um, very hard to kind of navigate situations like that. But I think that we have an opportunity to talk to people that can make genuine change in institutions because Cambridge is such a traditional place and its values are very deeply ingrained in the past. But now kind of with the emergence we're seeing of younger fellows and loads of young PhD supervisors, I think just being open in conversations with your friends is very, very impactful, but also being open in conversations with these people that can make changes in the department and that have direct access to the people that write our degrees and courses, which are also sometimes very inherently racially biased and gender discriminatory, things like that. I think talking to, it's very hard to to talk to fellows, like that's not something you can just do here, but talking to like people basically as high up as you can get and like actively reporting things um even if it's like 
like I said, even if something seems trivial, report it. Or if you've had an experience in a supervision with a supervisor, um, because that that like that's someone that the university is championing and they simply shouldn't be doing that. But in reporting those people and hopefully having situations where they're reprimanded or receive disciplinary action, that's one less person that's part of the problem. So just continuing to kind of call behaviour out on a friendship and kind of lower social scale, but also on a higher scale is really important. And, and that sentiment applies to like any other kind of place. So whether that's a place of work, it's just important to talk to your higher ups, your boss or like whoever may be accessible that can incite genuine action in the um, situation or in school talking to teachers or anything like that or obviously like women can be bosses too so like <laughs> you yourself taking the action if that means firing someone so be it it's a cold hard world out there for these men that can't sort <laughs> themselves out so yeah I think just it can be uncomfortable um but it's necessary to call people out so I think just doing whatever you can speaking to whoever you can to kind of do it is probably like one of the best ways forward I love that that's yeah. such a good note to end it on okay just because I wanted to put a little bit of um of context as well to um the comments that Maya was making as well about like talking to fellows and stuff like that I completely agree and I think to like put an example to it as well um I think it was last year our college at Cambridge put forward its paper related to its colonial past um, which is very important and it's a thing that a lot of Oxford colleges are doing at the moment, as they should. Yeah. And the head of the committee to put this paper together was a young black woman who was like head of her field, which shouldn't matter, but had like plenty of accolades and a lot of like, you know, great backgrounds and everything like that. Yeah. And the old white man fellows, one of them um, like shouted at her in a meeting and told her to sit down, you silly woman. Um, and told oh them to God. shut up and all of these things in the language that he's using against him was just like absolutely boring. so uh, yeah I think it, absolutely to back up what I was saying like students and also like people who have even got their, their degrees their PhDs and stuff it's incredibly hard to well I say no you know what I'm not going to say it's incredibly hard to access the fellows I'll say like they have a lot of work to do because I think that that's that's the more important yeah they have responsibilities they should be better um, and yeah it's just one of the examples to prove that. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Off the back of that, we had this um BAME formal in Oxford that they had organized for BAME students like across our year group. And we were all like quite excited about it, like, oh, like, you know, it's a POC formal, like, you know, everyone was dressed up in like their cultural attire and this and that. And we went in and like everyone, we have like a head table basically where the fellows sit. And you have to like stand up for them. And as they walked in, every single one was white. And so the whole thing like was it it just like it dampened everyone's spirits because it was like okay you put so much effort into organizing something for people of color and you've not got people of power who are people of color in mm. at the head of the table doesn't make sense like it was so performative but yeah I think that's the problem with institutions like these where I think everyone here is so academic and you know they're so well read but they don't do anything about it there's there's a lack of understanding yeah I agree with that yeah before we cut off I just want to say thank you so much for coming on to talk to oh, us oh thank you for having me no yeah I've learned a lot and you've given us some really great advice 
thank you so much for listening this week if you enjoyed this episode or you would like to appear on one we would absolutely love to hear from you you can email us at admin at newslondon.co.uk or more likely you can dm us on our instagram at news underscore ldn and all of these episodes are available to listen to on every single streaming platform out there or can be found along with our blog our gallery and our hype page on www.newslondon.co.uk have a good week